The God of the Bible, the living God, is a God of new beginnings. Never do we see that more than what we look at today. So, right now, take a deep breath. That is the spirit breath of God in you. Let go of yesterday. Let go of your inadequacy, weakness, sin, guilt. Embrace this day as God's gift to you. Lift up your hearts. Lift up your hearts toward heaven. Be filled with hope and anticipation. We're going to find God. And the word for today is help. Asking for help. And offering to give help to other people. Actually, the real word for today is salvation. But I know that word is a bit grand and can be quite religious. The real word for today is take your little story as broken and painful as it might be, and place it in the context of the greater story. Not the great symbiosis that we've talked about. This world is not just a transaction for me to try to get what it is that I want, but God is up to something enormous, and we're going to look at that today. Ask God for help, and ask God to be a help. So, after the fall, God comes, and he questions the man, and he questions the woman, and there's pretty limited uh, uh, expression of agency. So next comes what is sometimes called the pronouncement of the curse. Say a couple words about this. Uh, the language is very interesting in Genesis. It talks about God directly blessing. Blessing is an act of God's will. Uh, he blesses the fish. He blesses the human beings. Uh, it doesn't say God curses. What God does is to observe the curse or pronounces the curse. He wills blessing. He observes cursedness that comes um, when things are not as they are supposed to be. And he pronounces this on the serpent that is the agent of evil and temptation. He pronounces it on the earth, the ground. Uh, he does not pronounce the curse over the man or over the woman. All of that's showing us the nature of a God who is a good God who wants to bring about redemption. And uh, so I'm going to read these in reverse order. He says to Adam in verse 17, uh, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, to dust you will return. And so death... Uh, which is the horrible fear and blight of human beings comes to us. And then a sense of alienation and deep frustration. You will labor by the sweat of your brow. That's part of why uh, when we talk to somebody and they want to let us know, I'm doing really well. Can you do this project? No sweat. Or I'm cool. Cool has become a big thing. Cool, baby. No sweat, baby. Why? Because I don't want to be thought of as somebody who is under the curse, and yet I am. And yet God is up to something in this. It is reflecting on this that causes Paul in uh, his letter to the church at Rome, Romans 8. He says, for creation itself was subjected to frustration. The ground, thorns and thistles, there's a curse. Things are not as they're supposed to be. Creation itself was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the one who subjected it, that is God, in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay 
and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. There is a great story at work. God is doing something. Nothing is the way it's supposed to be. Part of what we see in Genesis is that although we are agents and we are accountable and we make choices, at the same time, we're in the context where there are forces too big for us that we cannot overcome. There is a goodness and a blessing that we did not put into the world. And there is a brokenness inside me and with other people that I can't fix. Uh, God also speaks to the woman. I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to your children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And I have talked before about the fact that the husband ruling over the wife was not God's original intent for humankind. It's part of the curse that Jesus came to deliver us from. It's interesting that right after this, in the 20th verse of Genesis 3, it says, Adam named his wife Eve. Now, he doesn't name her before the coming of the curse. And some Old Testament scholars will say naming often implied a kind of uh, authority over another being. The man names the animals. And now he names Eve. He didn't do that before because he was not yet trying to rule over her before. Uh, initially, God pronounces the curse on the serpent. And he says, Cursed are you above all livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly. You will eat dust all the days of your life. Now, the idea here is not that snakes used to walk on legs and uh, that they were talking. And so, again, this is uh, symbolic language. Uh, evil temptation is now going to be limited. Uh, it's on the clock. When a snake is going to strike and do most damage, it's coiled and it will be kind of a wreck. If it's just crawling on the body, it's limited in what it can do. That's part of what God is letting us know about. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. Now, what's the serpent's offspring? God is not talking about little snakes that are going to be crawling around. The idea here is that there are two great forces in life. There is evil and there is good. And to be a child of evil or to be a child of good is to be characterized by that. And of course, the reality for all of us is we're this combination of them. God says, I will put enmity. It's a really good thing to say, I don't want evil. I don't want to be that kind of person. And uh, when Genesis goes on to talk about uh, Cain is a picture of the offspring of evil, of murder. Uh, but then it says, between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Somebody's coming. Help is coming. And he will crush, he will destroy, he will bring an end to the curse and evil. And this is sometimes called the old technical language for it is proto-evangelium, the, the um, first or embryonic picture of the gospel, the promise that help is on the way, that the offspring of the woman would be born one day. And in the early church, they came to understand that this offspring, of course, was Jesus. This is the first promise of Jesus. Paul, when he writes to the church at Rome, I think it's chapter 16, verse 20, he says, and the God of peace will soon crush the Satan under your feet. And so we cry out for help. This is a promise 
we face somehow a life and forces death, alienation, sin, brokenness that is too much for us. One of the authors I love is Norman MacLean. He's the son of a Protestant Presbyterian minister. And uh, he taught for his whole career at Northwestern. When he was an old, old man, he wrote his first book, his first novella called A River Runs Through It. And one of the themes in that book is help. It's a story of two brothers, Norman and his brother Paul. And Paul struggles with demons, addiction, and and attraction to gambling. Um, Norman is never able to give his brother the help that he knows that he needs. His dad isn't. His dad... His dad's this wonderful Presbyterian minister. At one point, Norman takes up with a uh, girlfriend who's a Methodist. And Norman writes, My father did not think much about Methodists. He considered them Baptists that could read. Uh, But he's reflecting in one of his sermons about the nature of help. He says, Help is when you give a part of yourself to another person that accepts it willingly. And yet, Norman And his father was never able to do this for Paul, who was a person of great grace and beauty, very skilled as a fisherman, and uh, yet unable to overcome his demons. At one point, they're talking about trying to help somebody else. And Norman says to his brother, you know, I just don't think he wants to be with us. He doesn't want us to help him. And Paul's response is maybe he just likes the idea of somebody trying to help him. And Norman realizes maybe that's the longing of his brother, Paul. After Paul is killed, his father in his final sermon is reflecting on the nature of help. And he talks about the pain. He says, all too often what happens in this world is um, either we are unable to give to the other person the help that they need, or the help that we are able to offer them is not the help that they want. And there's great pain, I know, in having somebody in your life where you want so much to help them and they will not. Or having somebody who would receive help if you were able to do it, but you can't. And so we take our broken lives and our broken stories and our broken relationships and we put them into God's hands. We put them into his story. Norman McLean wrote another book. He was still writing it when he died as an old, old man, Young Men in Fire. It's about a man fire back in the 1940s and these young smoke jumpers who tried to put it out. Thirteen of them died. Lots of controversy around that. He talks about it was the story of young men like there's another story of a young man who descends from the heavens to the earth to try to save people who are in peril. And McLean writes that he he wrote that story to see if he could take what was a catastrophe and understand it as a tragedy. Because a catastrophe is just a random event, but a tragedy is a story. And if it's a story, it has meaning. And if it has meaning, it could have redemption. And if there is redemption, there is hope. And there is hope and there is hope. And I will put enmity in between her offspring and yours. And he will crush your head. Help is coming. So today, that's the prayer. God, help me. God, help the people that I love that I'm unable to help in the way that I wish I could. Help me to know how to carry the burden of love 
Help me to know how to speak as well and wisely as I'm able. Help me to make decisions the best I can. I can't, God, you can, I wanna let you. And then God, how can I bring help to the people I'm with today? Who needs help right now where I might be able to do something? Maybe I can't help the person I most wanna help, but there's somebody that I can help. Maybe in doing that, somehow grace is set free where help will come to the one that I love as well. We're part of a great story and there is yet hope. End of teaching, beginning of your day with God. Thanks for joining us. My name is Tim. I'm a part of the team here at Become New. If you'd like to receive the emails that go along with each video, you can let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. Or if you'd like to receive a text alert whenever we release a new video, you can text the word become to the number 855-888-0444. If you have a prayer request, please let us know. You can text that request to that same number, 855-888-0444. There's a group of us who meet every day to pray over those requests. So we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.